Hello, everybody. Welcome to Pathway. Good to see you. Good to have you together with us, whether you're live here in the room right now, whether you are in another room checking this out, maybe on our Moon campus or, or perhaps today in the classic venue or online, wherever you're taking this in. It's good to have you together. As we get started, I want to draw your attention to this insert that you find inside of your Pathway notes today. This is very important. We love to reach out at Pathway, and in the Christmas season, we have extra opportunities to do that, but it's an important part of just who we are and how we try to exist day by day and week by week. And uh, you've already heard today, I hope in your different settings, about Project Angel Tree, which is the ministry where you take the angel off the tree and you buy that gift and you bring it back and it goes to bless the kids of uh, those who are incarcerated. That's coming up. We just finished with Operation Christmas Child, which is sending shoeboxes literally around the world. And uh, here's another one that uh, we've been doing over the last several years at Pathway. We call it Give Joy to the World. And it's an opportunity for us to do just that, to bless people in a variety of places around the world. And I just wanted to point out to you that this is coming through December and uh, would encourage you to be prayerfully considering how you might take part in giving joy to the world. There are three pieces to this project. The primary piece is giving water. This is where this project started uh, probably 12 years ago now. And uh, we've given um, about three quarters, more than three quarters of a million dollars to clean water wells around the world. And uh, we're doing that again this year. Uh, also contained on here on the back side, you can see a description of some of the different pieces that are a part of this. Clean water is one of those. We have an ongoing partnership with a community in Kenya called Orkarkar, and uh, we've been seeing amazing things happen there. And uh, this year also we're doing a project called One Meal at a Time, where we are going to be packing 35,000 meals that are going to be used from different partners, distribution partners, right here in Beaver County, and they're going to have those to fill their shelves to use to give out to people who are in need. And the need is more significant than you might think right here, just in our own communities. And so those different pieces are going to be a part of that, and you'll hear more about that as we go. But I just wanted to put that on your radar as we kick that off this weekend. Also, just uh, very exciting things coming with, with all, of, all of that. Well, obviously now the Christmas season is upon us, and, and I'm very excited about that. I hope that you're excited about that, and I'm sure that you are, although we do know that that can sometimes be a little bit of a mixed bag with uh, some folks, as sometimes it can be a difficult season of the year as well, and we certainly know it's a busy time of the year. In fact, most people in surveys say that December is their busiest time of the year. And you might agree with that. In fact, I thought that we might take a little poll here that would allow us to maybe get a visual representation of uh, just what sort of busyness we experience during this season. So I'm going to ask for a little bit of participation on your part, and that is if I mention something that is true of you as an individual, or maybe is true of your family, you can support your spouse or whoever you're with today on on, uh, standing up with them if the thing is true of you. And uh, we might get some exercise doing this little project as well. All right, so if these things are true of you, if you would just stand if you can. If you can't stand, then don't, don't worry about getting up. But uh, So let's give this a try, all right? So stand up if you or your family are going to or have already put up a Christmas tree inside and decorating this season. 
All right. Yeah, we're getting some exercise already. That's awesome. See, that's one thing we've had to add in to December that we didn't do in any other month, unless you're some of those weird people who put up their tree in October. All right. Now stay standing if you're going to have more than one tree up in your house. Okay. Stay standing if you're going to have more than five trees up in your house. All right, that, that's, that's good, that, that's good. I mean, I'm with you, on, I'm standing too on that one, and I'm not going to tell you which of the people in our house make it that way, but I'm standing with you. Maybe we can put together a, a support group or something later on. Go ahead and have a seat if you would, all right? Now I would like you to stand up if you're going to be sending out any Christmas cards this season. All right, all right, see, those, those are more things that you're going to have to do this month than you probably didn't do last month. Stand up if you're going to be doing any extra baking that you normally would do with Christmas cookies or with candies or those sorts of things, all right? Lots of people standing, extra work that they have to do this season. Stand up if you're going to be going to some concert, maybe a Pops concert or your kids or grandkids, nieces, nephews, school concert, all right, we got a lot of concert goers. That's something else that you're going to have to do this season. Stand up if you're going to be buying presents for anybody this season. All right, that's something else you're having to do. You've probably already been online. A lot of us are shopping online these days. All right, you're going to have to buy presents, have to wrap those. It's just going to take extra. All right, now stand up if at least one of the gifts you're buying is going to be for a pet. You can do it. That's all right. We won't judge you <laughs> much. <laughs> all right. Now stand up if one of those gifts is going to be for your pastor. <laughs> all right. See all of you who are saving all this time this season by not having to buy for the pastor, right? All right. The one of you who's going to buy a gift for the pastor, go ahead and sit down. I know you're just buying a cat gift anyway, so, so that's okay. All right. Now, now look at that. We, we all have all of these other things that we're going to be adding into this season, and it just gets busier and busier and busier. And the chances are that uh, we could very easily get all the way to New Year's and look back and say, where did December go? In fact, my guess is that you've had previous seasons where you've looked back and you've said, where did December go? And you sort of vowed in your own mind and in your own heart, it's going to be different next year. And next year it's not different. And we just have this string of season upon season where we just sort of get caught up in all of the busyness. And it crowds out things that we might otherwise decide to go after. Well, this year... This year at Pathway, we want to change that. We want to turn that around. This season, we want to focus in on making room. Making room for those things that we would love to have a, be more of a feature in our season that just typically haven't been. It might be as simple as making some room to have time to sit down and enjoy the Christmas tree. Instead of setting it up and rushing past it for a month and then taking it down again. Or maybe just to sit and enjoy a fire. Or maybe to sit and have a, a, a family movie night. Watching a great classic like Miracle on 34th Street. Or Elf. <laughs> one of the great classics, right? I know that's the one you watch. 
Or how about just having the time to sit and contemplate Jesus? And what it meant for him to come into this world, not just to to rush by and think about it for a moment, but really to, to center your season around that. What would that look like? Well, we want to help you focus your mind and your heart in that direction as we make our way along. We're right at the beginning of the season, and it is in your power to make this season whatever you desire it to be. Now, you're going to have to be very intentional about that because the momentum of the season very easily could sweep you under. And we end up on New Year's wondering, where did it go? But if we set our minds on it, it can happen and instead get to New Year's and reflect and say, that was the best Christmas ever. Now, to help move us in that direction throughout this season, we're going to be focusing each week on what it means to make room and to make room for different essentials. And we're going to get that started this weekend, get that started today by considering the idea of what it means to make room to worship freely. That's where we're getting started, to make room to worship freely freely. And to do so, we're going to zero in today on what is probably the best known of all of the Christmas account in the Scriptures. It's a part that I know that you're familiar with. It will sound familiar as we read it. You've heard it many, many times before. We're going to zero in on it. It comes in Luke chapter 2. And if you haven't already, please open up Bible to Luke chapter 2 or your Bible app, and and you can see it there, even though you'll probably be able to quote it as I read some of the different verses today. In this passage, we're going to see some unlikely people worshiping freely. And as we do, we're going to see them make room. And it's going to give us, I think, some help as we think about making room our So the first action step we see here, you have your outline there in the pathway notes. First action step is to see them do and consider what it might be for us to do this as well, and that's to embrace impulse. Now this might be the only time you ever hear in church somebody encourage you to be impulsive. This might be the only opportunity. So write that down there in your journal that uh, this is the week that it happened. But I think you'll see what I'm getting at as we make our way along. Luke 2 is the passage that tells us about Mary and Joseph, that they went to Bethlehem, that they were required to go to their ancestral home so that they might register for the census. And they go, and it's while they're there that Mary gives birth to Jesus and they place him in the manger because there's no room for them in the inns. There was no room back then either. We're thinking about what does it mean to make room. And with that, the birth of Jesus, the scene cuts away, and we read in verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It's these shepherds that we're going to look in on today. We're told that they're out in the fields. They're just minding their own business. They're doing their work. They're tending the sheep. When all of a sudden, bang, this angel shows up. And they are terrified, it says. They are terrified. I mean, imagine an angel showing up at your workplace. (laughs) It's hard to imagine, isn't it? I know you think there have been devils, you know, in those cubicles down the hall for years now. But an angel, that's, that's a different story, and they're terrified, it says 
Well, eventually they they get over their fright and they get the news from this angel that Jesus is going to be born and it's pretty spectacular. And with that, a whole horde of angels now show up. You know the story. And they proclaim their glory to God in the highest and peace. They bring their message and then just as quickly as they've come, they're gone. And that's how I picture the scene. They sort of show up. They scurry around. They do all of their part. They you know, make this impressive sight and the sounds and the spectacle of it all, and then they're gone. And it's just back to the quiet of the night, (laughs) except except for the hearts of the shepherds that are beating out of their chest because of what they have just seen and because of what they have just experienced. And they're looking at one another with eyes that are kind of like that wide eye emoji, you know the one I'm talking about? Thinking, maybe saying to one another, did that just happen? Did that just happen? Then Luke picks up the story again in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, we got to cut back on the Red Bull. (laughs) Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. That's not what they said. They said, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. The shepherds don't waste any time. What are they doing? They're reacting on an impulse. We need to go. And so they go. That's what they do. There are a lot of excuses they could have come up with. Just think about it. There are excuses that we probably would have made. I probably would have made. I probably shouldn't put that on you. But here they are. They're out there. They're trying to be responsible shepherds and do their job. After all, the sheep, they can't protect themselves very well, and there are other predators that would come in and ravage the flock, and so they've got to protect them. That's what their job is. And sheep have a tendency to wander off, and it would be very easy for them to get lost. So their job here again is that they would protect the flock. These wouldn't have been their sheep. They didn't own them. They were simply shepherds who were working on behalf of somebody else. So there's, there was a responsibility that they had to carry out their job. They might have thought to themselves, well, why go? I mean, would we even be able to find the right manger? There had to be dozens of mangers in Bethlehem at this point. And I think if I would have been them, I certainly would have had this idea in my mind that if I go, I mean, what, what new mother is going to want a dirty, smelly shepherd to be leaning over their child? They probably wouldn't even want us to be there. There are lots of excuses. I, I, was, I was at a store the other day, and there was a woman there who had a stroller she was pushing, and, and inside was her little infant, and while she was just walking through the store, I happened to be there at this moment, and, and this random stranger guy just walked up and starts talking to the baby and gets, gets his face right down there, right by the opening of this stroller. He's talking, and about that, I could just see the mother kind of tensing up, and then you could see the guy take out his hand, and he's about to stick it inside the stroller. And the mother, the mother just peels out of there in a way that Dale Earnhardt would have been proud of. She just takes off because there was no way in the world that she was going to let that stranger that close to her child. And if I were one of those shepherds, I'd be thinking, that's, that's what the mother's going to be. They don't want us there. If they had been looking for an excuse not to go, they certainly could have found it. But they choose to. They're acting on the impulse. Yes, the angel has told them that this is true. But they don't say, and you must go. They choose to 
go. We can learn something for these shepherds because we can also be very good at rationalizing a lack of response when it comes to going to Jesus, to following through on what we might otherwise feel we ought to do. We also have other responsibilities that we need to attend to, and, and we're busy people, and there are lots of priorities, that we, and we can't just shirk our duties. We most definitely, if you're looking for a justification for not engaging with Jesus in any particular setting or circumstance, you're going to be able to find it. You will find a justification that is adequate to you in your mind for why you shouldn't go. But what the shepherds show us is that even though they can justify not going, they go anyway because they know the significance of the moment. And then they know that this is something that they need to do. The impulse struck them. So when you feel the tug in the direction of spiritual things or a tug toward worship or a tug toward praise or a tug toward, toward thanksgiving, give into it. Go with it. Whatever that requires of you in the moment. Embrace the impulse. There's every reason to believe that that's the move of God's Spirit that is working on your heart. Because left to ourselves, those aren't things that we feel or choose to do. It's something that is being done in us as well. And so you don't want to quench that Spirit. You don't want to resist that Spirit. You want to give in to that Spirit. There's something special about that moment. Saying, you know what, I'll get back to it tomorrow. Or this weekend, I'll be at church. I'll lean into that that I was feeling back on Tuesday. I'll lean into that when I get to church. By that time, you've forgotten. Or certainly the, the sense of urgency that came with it in the moment is gone and it's waned and the opportunity has been lost. Now, look, I understand that you can't always just pick up in a moment's notice, but sometimes you can. And other times you can purpose to pursue that at the earliest possible opportunity before the day is out. That we'd lean into it. That we would celebrate it. That we would pursue it. That we would embrace impulse. To pull your feeling is a divine moment. It might not be accompanied by a multitude of visible angels. But it's just as much an invitation to worship freely, and we need to take it. Whenever you feel pulled toward Jesus, friends, make room. Make room. Whatever that requires. And embrace impulse. Allow yourself to be pulled in that direction. And celebrate as you go. Another key. Another key to making room to worship freely is to draw near. This is another step the shepherds take. Verse 16, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. You know, we're really told very little about what the shepherds do when they get to Jesus. Very little. Text doesn't say that they bow down and worship like the wise men would later do. It doesn't say that they decided, you know, our lives are complete now. We can die. Like Simeon came to that conclusion. It doesn't say any of those things. All it says is that they went and they found the one the angels had told them about. That's it. Now, I do think that they did more than just get to the manger and think to themselves, yep, there he is. 
The angel was right. They had the story just right. I think it's more than that. I don't want to read things into the text that aren't actually there, but it does tell us that they hurried off. And you can know that even though these are shepherds, it doesn't mean they're ignorant people. Yes, they were lower class to be sure, but every Jewish male was watching for the Messiah. Every one of them had that on their minds. And so I'm sure that they're, even if they didn't fully understand and comprehend all of who Jesus was, I suspect there was something going on. The wheels were turning in their heads and in their minds as they went. It also tells us later, as they left, that they're praising. And so I think there's every reason for us to conclude that whenever you're, you're with Jesus, it's overwhelming. It is, it is awe. And, and being in awe of Jesus in any moment, that's an act of worship. And that's what they're doing. But even if you just stripped all of that away, you still have the fact that the shepherds are drawing near. That's a vital step if we're going to worship freely, that we would draw near. It's a step of humility that says, God is deserving of me breaking out of my routine. God is worthy of me setting aside my comforts and, and my ease to go and pursue Him, to go to the place where I gather with other people that I might worship, to get up out of bed, to, to get out of, out of my pajamas, to, to get there, to, to get out of work on time so that I can make it to church, whatever your context might happen to be. It's saying that I'm willing to give of myself what is necessary to humble my plan so that I can draw near to God. Very, very important. I don't think that it ever crossed the minds of the shepherds, even once, to say, to, when the angels appeared to them, to say, hey, you know what, angel, uh, I, I can appreciate that, but can't you see? We're really busy shepherds. Could you please just get Mary and Joseph to bring Jesus to us? Yeah. I don't think that ever crossed their minds. But we can kind of take that posture sometimes, can't we? It's like, well, well sure, I'd be happy to worship, worship you, Jesus. Can you, can you just fit my schedule a little better? Or I don't have time to do it this weekend because we've got this, and I don't have time to do it next weekend because we've got that, but uh, I'll get back eventually. I mean, isn't that essentially the same thing as saying, hey, if you could, if you could please kind of show up and fit my schedule, then I'd be happy to, to draw near. Well, if you draw to me, then I'd be happy to meet with you. It's a posture that we take. It's right that the shepherds draw near to Jesus, and it's right that you would put in the effort to get to him as well. That's what we're doing when we come out to worship, when we come out to church. We're saying it's important enough to me that I would be here. So I'm going to arrange whatever needs to be arranged so that I can be together with God's people to draw near, to bring my worship. That's what it means to worship freely as we fully enter in. So I challenge you. I challenge you to make room for worship every week. There's this tremendous move that's been going on in churches throughout America for, it's, it's been exacerbated by COVID, but it didn't start with COVID. There's a tendency that was going before that, that, uh, that a regular church attender isn't an every week church attender. It's just sort of getting relaxed more and more and more. That is not drawing near if it's whenever it happens to fit our schedule. So I challenge you, every week, every week 
to be here. Or we're going to be out of town. Well, that's your opportunity to see it online. But don't use online as your expression of drawing near. Because it's important that we draw near with one another as well. So, draw near. Uh, another way that we make room to worship freely is to give witness. The shepherds have a pretty strong reaction once they've been with Jesus. Verse 17, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, about this, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Clearly, the shepherds are giving witness to what they have seen and who they've seen, but it's, it's really more than that. This is an act of worship on their part. Worship can be defined as, as giving adoration and giving glory and giving honor to God, and that's exactly what they're doing. They happen to be doing it in front of other people, but really, oftentimes, that's what worship is or what witnessing is. They are intertwined because we worship as we share that which we know and as we give glory to the God of whom we're speaking. Very important. But what also strikes me, maybe even more so in these verses, is how freely they do it. Nobody had to tell them, go out and tell everybody what you just experienced with Jesus. Nobody had to coerce them. Nobody had to try to drum it into them. Nobody had to try to get them to get up and to move on and to share this good news. It was just in their heart. It was in their mind. It was just what they needed to do. It's what they wanted to do. You couldn't have stopped them from doing so. The news was that good. And you've had news like that. In other realms, something that happens in your life is like, I just have to tell somebody about that. I remember when I got engaged to Carolyn. It was like, I can't stop talking about this. I don't think the grocery bagger wanted to hear, but I needed to share. And you've had things like that too, right, in your life. In fact, Carolyn and I have, have a new thing that is very exciting to us that we are loving to share these days. And that is that there's baby talk in our house. That's right. Carolyn and I are going to have a baby. <laughs> grandchild. A baby grandchild. What did you think I was talking about? <laughs> yeah, it's exciting news, and we are very excited about that. And uh, you'll no doubt hear us talking about that a good bit. In fact, one of us is so excited that we're already buying lots of things for this new little one. But I won't tell you which one of us she is. <laughs> But you'll be hearing more. You can, you can certainly expect that. It's good news. It's something that has to be shared. And, and that's what these angels are doing here. Or excuse me, well, the angels are, yes. But uh, now these shepherds are as well. That's how it should be with our experience with Jesus. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have personally experienced the greatest transformation that can happen to a human on the face of the earth. That's the truth. Yet oftentimes we don't share it. You've been transformed from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. Why is that not something that we cannot stop talking about? You probably know that Christmas is a time when people get a little bit more softened to spiritual things than any other time of the year, which means this is your opportunity. This is your open door with family, with friends, with coworkers 
when they'll listen to you probably more than they ever have before. And it's an opportunity to you, for you to share your story. The shepherds are just sharing their story of what happened to them. And you have a, short, a story to share that is just as powerful. It's different, but it's just as powerful being changed from death to life. It's our responsibility to share, and as we do so, we're worshiping freely. We need to make room. You need to make room in this season to take that step. We have a Christmas Eve service that's coming up. We can partner together with you on this if you want. Our Christmas Eve service is going to be make room to believe simply. It's going to be about believing in Jesus. Who could you invite? In fact, I would like to challenge everybody that there would be at least one person that you give an invitation to. It might be an invitation to Christmas Eve. It might be an invitation to just follow Jesus. You're able to do that. Share your story and invite them to experience your story as well. We need to make room to do what the shepherds do and to share their story, to give witness. Then there's one more thing here as well, one more expression of worship we see from the shepherds, and that's that they keep praising. They keep praising. After their full day, Luke tells us what happened next. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Look at the first, verse, or first words there of that verse, verse 20. The shepherds returned. I think their first inclination would have been to stay right where they were, right at Jesus' side. Even if just back in the shadows, just watching, it would have been a spectacular sight. But they didn't. Why not? Because the time came when they had to return. They had to go back to their responsibilities. They had to go back to normal life as it was. They had to come down off of the mountain, as it were, and get back to work. And you do too. We all do. We have life to live. But look at what is on their hearts as they do. Luke says, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God. They left the sanctuary of Jesus' presence, but their worship continued as they got back to the field with the sheep. They're still worshiping at work. They're still worshiping. The experience with Jesus filled every corner of their lives. There's no reason to think that your glorifying and praising God needs to stop when you walk out of the worship service, when you go home. No reason at all for that. You can take your worship with you out into the sheep fields of your life. And I hope that you do. I hope that you will. It, I kind of think about it sort of like uh, the charge on your phone. You know how you're always watching the phone, the battery's dying. and I kind of see this a little bit that way. We come together, we worship, we sing songs, we open up God's Word, we get filled up, we get charged up, and hopefully we leave full. And hopefully that 
continues to linger on and continues to inspire and you continue to worship and praise just like they do as you go out into your week. But inevitably, it kind of wanes a little bit, doesn't it? You know, you get into the mundane and you get into the slog of day after day after day and it it starts to wane just a little bit. Well, we have the opportunity to, certainly you have the opportunity on your own. It's not that you need me, but we have the opportunity to come back together again and we sort of plug in and we get charged up again to keep moving forward. There's a benefit from coming together to the charger, the, the Word of God, And then we can go out and we just continue that process. That's why it can be so deadly to us if we fall out of the pattern of being together to worship God. Because we start to live without that sort of power and strength to move us forward, to keep us sustained into what is coming. I know that many of you are using those sermon journals And that's awesome. Get your new sticker. If you don't already have that on there, put it on. But that's awesome. I'm glad that you're doing that. Please continue to. One of the things that you can do every week, though, is you can write down in those journals something that has struck you, something that has charged you in this moment. It might be a point or two from a sermon or a verse, or maybe it's a lyric to a song, or maybe it's just some way that you sort of felt and sensed the presence of God. Write that down, underline it, circle it, write over it several times so it bolds it, highlight it, do something so that it draws your eyes to it. And then during the week, go back to it. What was it that that God spoke to me this last week? And regularly go back and take a look and, and allow that to charge you up again to help to sustain you through the week in your worship and in your praise. As Stoic Americans, we, we like to always be in control, right? But that can be a real problem because worship requires humility. Worship requires submission. Worship requires that I let go of myself and I put all of the attention on somebody else. And I live not to be in control. I live not to be lifted up myself. I live to lift up somebody else. That requires humility. That requires a different sort of step than we normally take. The natural orientation of probably 95% of us is to resist impulse, not embrace it. But I'd love for you to consider what would it look like for you to make room to worship freely? What would it look like for you to make room to continue on in giving praise. When you sense the Spirit at work, lean into that. Chase it as far as it will go. Take off the governors of your spiritual life, as it were, and allow yourself to speed ahead into what God has for you. We're trying to assist you in some ways with that in this season. You have that Advent devotional that is yours. That's just a simple place to start. Just want to challenge you that every day in this season that you would make room. 
that you would do something that would break you out of the routine that speeds you through your day and you end up at the end of the day, not just at the end of the month looking back, where did December go, but you get in bed and it's like, where did this day go? That you would purpose to make room. You know in your life where you can fit that in. I'd encourage you to use those devotions week by week. You'll see that each, each week is aligned with the different topic that we're doing on that weekend. So you'll see, if you didn't notice it already in today's, that it's about worshiping freely and it's going to be based off of something that has to do with our worship. So it all dovetails together. But it is my urgent prayer to God that we wouldn't get to the end of the month and wonder, why was this just another December? But that we might be changed, that we might be transformed. And that can happen in any of a number of areas in our life, including what goes on right here as we sing, as we worship, that we would even make room in our own hearts there to remove the distraction to enter in, to embrace impulse. See, by this point, most of you have been in church long enough that it's a pattern and just kind of do things by rote. But God wants to speak a unique message to you every time you're here. Do you believe that? Every time you're here. Do you walk out every time you're here feeling that you've heard and received what the Spirit has for you that day? Maybe that's because we haven't made enough mental room for us to receive what God has for us. So we need to pray in the environments we walk into, including this one. Lord, open my mind. May I make room by pushing out my contemplation of the fight I just had or the work project I have due tomorrow or the homework that hasn't been done where that just swirls around us or what the person in front of us is wearing or why that person over there, where have they been the last six months or whatever the case is. There are all kinds of things that distract us. We need to make room that we hear from God. We need to make room in this season that we would enter in. Maybe your worship, you're feeling an impulse that would take you to an expression that is different from something that you've ever allowed before. Might that be of God? Might that be something that He's inviting you into to worship freely, not constrained, not according to some pattern? but simply what He's calling you to do. I pray that we would be responsive. I pray that this season would be a very unique one for us. And if it's going to be, it's going to happen because we make room. Heavenly Father, we want to meet with You. We want to experience you in a way we never have, never have before. Father, that can happen in this season. But it's going to require some intentionality on our part. 
So I just pray that you would convict us where necessary, that you would open up our minds and our hearts to embrace the impulse of what your Spirit calls us to and responding to that, not giving the excuses why we can't, we're too busy, too many responsibilities, that's not the way I express myself, but just to go with it where you're leading us, where you're calling us. Lord, help us to make room so we might experience you in this place, yes, but in every place of our life, spending time embracing your Spirit's lead, connected to you throughout our day in a way that we haven't been before. Lord, may, be, may this be a season where we make room to worship freely and to experience you, even if we've been in Christ a long time, to experience you anew and in a fresh way. We give ourselves to you, making that commitment of our heart, even as we sing this song, a song of commitment, a song of setting aside the distractions that we might enter in. And Lord, I pray even in these moments as we sing that you draw us in, that you touch us with your spirit, that we would move toward you, we pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen.